Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika, and the title of my message is Up from the Sidelines. Up from the Sidelines. In Acts chapter 6, Jesus has already risen from the grave. He is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he has passed the entire future of the church to his apostles. So there's a lot of weight on their shoulders to do exactly what he wants them to do. The good news is, is that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is also on their shoulders. And because the Spirit of the Lord is present, things are happening that are incredibly exciting. First of all, every single day people were added to the church. At celebration, at our church, people are added to the church every weekend. People are added to their church every single day. People were meeting in homes for communion every day. They were worshiping at the tabernacle every day. Things were happening. They were sharing everything that they had. Healings were happening. Miracles were happening. And the inside circle of the apostles, they were working in perfect synergy. They would sit down and they would discuss doctrine. They would discuss how to spread the gospel into other regions. There was a young man named Stephen. He was not part of the inside circle. In fact, he was way on the outside of the circle. Uh, he was between the ages of 28 and 32. And, and he would see the apostles along with everyone else and desire to be in the inner circle. But he wasn't. And he had to come to terms with that. It is a very difficult thing to not be on the inside circle. You're not on the inside circle when things in your life are just not coming together. You're doing everything you can, but they're just not coming together. The apostles are sitting there and they're having the time of their life. They're seeing all the prophecies, all the miracles, all the healings. But Stephen is on the outside. It's very hard to see other people living an awesome life. And you yourself, you just feel like you're on the outside. Uh, he had to come to terms with that. It's a hard thing to come to terms with. I remember being 19 or 20 years old. I was up in the Chicago, Illinois area. And I was in the back of a, a van uh, with some other young preachers. We were in an internship and we were cutting our teeth. And, and we were uh, taking a trip from Chicago all the way down to Pensacola, Florida, because God was doing something really awesome at this particular church and we were going to experience it. But I was sitting in the back of the van and all these other guys, they knew each other really, really well. So they're throwing popcorn at each other. They're laughing. They have a bunch of inside jokes. And I'm sitting in the back. And I am not part of the crew. I'm in the van, but I'm not part of the crew. Uh, I'm, I'm in a van full of people, but I feel completely alone. Have you ever been in a room where you're in a room full of people, but you feel completely alone? That's the way I felt. And I remember telling God, 
get me out of this funk. Get me out and I promise I will never ever forget what it feels like. And if I see anyone outside of the circle, God, I'll take care of them. Just get me out of this funk. You know, it's interesting because people who have almost drowned before make the best lifeguards. Those of you who have gone through seasons of your life where you were almost broken, you you were bent in every way, shape, and form, you almost broke, you cried a lot, you were only a lot, you almost broke, but you didn't. You are the one, you are the one that is capable and able with the credibility to look at someone else and say, I've been there before, I know it's hard. The tears are hot, they go into your ear when you're laying in your pillow. I've been there before and I know how to get out. I'm going to walk with you through this. See, people who have almost drowned make the best lifeguards. Some of you, you are awesome lifeguards. You know what it's like to lose a job. You know what it's like to lose a family member, somebody that died too soon. You know what it's like to be sick. And when you're sick, that is the loneliest feeling in the world because nobody can help you. And you wonder if God can even hear you. You've been through those seasons. And so this is where Stephen was. In the prime of his life, but he's looking at the inner circle and he knows he'll never be there. And so now he has to regroup. My original plan is not going to happen. Sometimes you can hang on to that original plan your entire life and just be mad and just be angry that you're not living that plan. It's a cycle. You First you're mad and then you're angry and then you're kind of depressed and then you got to go into the acceptance stage and then dream again. But some people get stuck in that first stage and they can't get all the way back around to dream again. If you don't hear anything else today, if you don't hear anything else today, hear me say this. If you are breathing, you need to dream again. 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 I I, I know this sounds like a motivational speech, but just let me say it again. And at the risk of sounding trite, if nothing else in your life is working, but you have breath in your lungs, there you need to dream again because God has you here for a purpose and it's significant. It's a significant purpose. And so Stephen backs up and he says, okay, I'm not going to be part of the inner circle. And I can learn to not have men impress me. I can learn to not be on the inside circle. But I cannot learn to live outside of his presence. And so he starts devoting his life to be in his presence. If I don't do anything else, I'm going to be in your presence. If everyone forgets me and, and I live on an island of obscurity, I'm still going to live in your presence. And so he starts saying things that are written in the Psalms. In Psalm 63 verse 1, it says this. Hear the heart. 
Oh God, my God, early I will seek you. My soul longs for you. My, my, my soul thirsts for you. That's what it says. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in this dry and thirsty land. Uh, I'm not going to be in the inside circle, but Psalms 42 verse 1, like a deer pants after water, so my soul thirsts for you. Some of you have prayed these prayers. God, if I don't have anything else, I've got to have you. And if you have prayed these prayers, just know you are not talking to yourself. You are not talking to the wall. God heard every thought. He heard the cry of your heart. And Psalms 56, 9 says this. The very day you called for help, the tide of the battle shifted. I want to encourage you, call for help every day, every day. Cause that battle to shift. Cause it to move. Cause it to shift. You know, and so now here's Stephen. All of a sudden his day comes around. And one of the apostles says, I've heard about you. You cannot keep greatness a secret. You can't. So he says, I heard about you. He goes, I want you and these other six guys. I want you guys to, to be a part of a very special team. And all of a sudden, Stephen starts smiling. He's like, this is what I've been praying for. This is my break. I want you guys to be a part of a very special team. You see, the, 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 the Greek-speaking widows and the Hebrew-speaking widows... Um, they feel like when food gets distributed, that it's not being distributed fairly. So what we want you, Stephen, and these other six people to do, we want you to be in charge of the food dis, dis, how do you say that word? Distribution. distribution. I speak for a living. <laughs> but I can't say the word distribution. And so he says, I want, we want you to distribute the food. And all of a sudden, Stephen's like, what? I've got, I've got 40 sermons in my back pocket, and I've got another 40 songs in my other pocket. I can do more than pass out pasta. I can do more than that. You know, I've been working on this message all week long, and I can't figure out which I hate more. I, I don't know if I hate being overlooked or undervalued. Are you with me? I don't like either one of them. I, I don't like being overlooked in the back seat of a van and I don't like being undervalued. Uh, I, I remember in that same season when I was in the van with the young preachers and, and none of them were talking to me. Um, because they had their inner circle and I wasn't a part of it. During that same season, uh, there was this guy that would travel around and preach. And I thought he was the cat's meow. I, I, the way he preached, I was just like, I want to preach like you one day. I mean, I was 19, 20 years old and, and he was, you know, 20 years older than me, 30 years older than me. I don't know, but he was just the man in my world. Well, he got invited to speak at a conference and the organizer of the conference called me up and said, hey, do you want to speak with him like a tag team in a particular session? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
Are you serious? This is like a high school basketball player uh, being called up and saying, hey, do you want to play with LeBron James? Yes, I do. And so I started working and working and preparing and preparing and preparing. I had notes on top of notes on top of notes on top of notes. And I'm visualizing he's preaching and then he hands me the mic and then I'm preaching and then I hand him the mic and then he hands it. It's going to be like James and John, the sons of thunder. And I'm about to live my dream. And so the night before I go to his hotel room and he opens up his laptop and I got all my notes in a manila folder. And I'm just, I cannot wait to tell him the revelations I have discovered. And he sits down and he goes, okay, here are my notes. He puts it up on, I didn't even have a laptop. I'm like, fancy. Um, and he goes, I want you, I'm going to say all this. And I want you to say this line, this line, and this line. And that's it. And my heart just, poof. I was, I was embarrassed to have notes. I was like, I said, absolutely. Okay, no problem. And I walked out of that hotel room so defeated because I thought I can do more than say three sentences that you wrote. I may not be as good of a preacher as you, but just let me in the game. Have you ever thought that? I just want to get out of this funky season. I want new problems. I, I want, I, I want to get in the game. I want God to use me. I, I want my family to do better. I want to have better finance. I want to just, just get me out of this funk. I want to be valued and I want to make a contribution. And so Stephen is passing out. You know, donuts and bonbons and making sure that nobody takes more than two. <laughs> and, and he's saying, I know I can do more than this. But see, God does not care about your location nor your title. And something happened between Stephen and God that we don't know about because it's not written in the Bible. But something happened while he was saying, as a deer pants after water, so my soul pants after you. Something happened. Because when he was waiting tables and he was passing out the bread, all of a sudden he'd feel compelled to pray for somebody and they'd get healed. And then he'd look at someone else and there would be a miracle. The difference between a healing and a miracle is a healing is when somebody is sick or they're ill. And all of a sudden, in a moment, they get better. A miracle is when something does not exist, and all of a sudden it does. Or it does exist, and all of a sudden it's gone. Where somebody has no kidney, and now they have a kidney. Are you with me? Say yes. And so he is seeing both. He's seeing healings. He's seeing miracles and all of a sudden, the inner circle is not as attractive as it used to be because he just found out what his plan was. And I just want to say, when you know what God's plan for you is, you don't care about your own plan anymore. Because God's plan for you is far greater than anything you can imagine. And so he's just doing the mundane Passing out food. 
But God causes great things to happen in mundane moments. Don't ever underestimate those mundane days, those boring days where it's just like any other day. Great days happen in the middle of just any other day. And so he's walking along and miracles are happening. People are getting healed. And the Jewish leaders say, who is this guy? And so he goes up and he starts telling the Jewish leaders who he is. They get furious at his message. So literally they assign his execution right there. They start throwing stones right at him, right there on the spot. And he's being stoned, but while he's being stoned, whatever relationship he discovered in his private world means so much to him that while he's being executed, he's still preaching. He's still praying. And while he's praying, and while he's being stoned, there's a guy named Saul. And he's holding the jacket of someone who's throwing stones at him. In other words, the guy that was throwing stones at him was like, will you hold this? (laughs) He's holding the jacket. And he's looking at Stephen and he's thinking to himself, how in the world is this guy still preaching? How is he still praying and worshiping? This is crazy. Have you ever gone to visit somebody in a hospital and your whole intent is to show up and encourage them? And so you're psyching yourself up. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to encourage them. And you pull up into the hospital and you're like, I don't even want to be here. I hate hospitals. I hate hospitals. I don't want to be here. I wish they weren't here. I wish I wasn't here. I wish this whole moment wasn't even happening. But you're going to psych yourself up. You walk into the room and you're like, hey. And you're like doing everything you can. Getting water, moving the tray around. And, and, and this is ugly cake. Can she have a better cake? You're just doing everything you can. This thing has no ice in it. It's all water. And brrr, that big straw, right? Brrr, Can I get a better straw? I mean, come on. And then you think, man, this is a really good thermos cup. Where do they get these things? Where do they get these things? They don't sell these at Target. I want one of these cups. Have you ever been there? You can tell I've been to a few hospitals, right? You sit there and you're just trying to help. And all of a sudden the person in the bed... They start talking to you and they start encouraging you and they start building you up. And all of a sudden you walked in at five, seven, but you feel like you're 10 feet tall. And then you're like, oh, I love you so much. I'm going to come back and visit you. This felt great. And then you walk out and you got a pep in your step and you get in the elevator and the elevator is going down and you think, oh, that, oh man, I blew it. I showed up to encourage them. And here they are in the bed encouraging me. Oh, I messed up. And then you start thinking to yourself, how in the world are they so strong and so encouraging when they got to sit in a bed and press a button to get somebody's attention? How in the world are they so encouraging and so strong? Have you ever thought that? Say yes. How in the world? 
They are finding a strength that you and I know nothing about. We know nothing about. There is a strength that is available for the lonely that we know nothing about. In Psalms 56, 8, he says, I track all of your sorrows. I catch every tear in a bottle. And I record each one in my book. In Psalms 34, uh, what is it? 34, 18. He says, I am close to the brokenhearted. If there's anyone here who's brokenhearted, oh, I got good news for you. He made a point to say, I am close to you. And you say, well, I'm past brokenhearted. I'm crushed hearted. Have you ever been there? I'm crushed hearted. This is way worse than worse. Well, the end of the sentence goes, and I save those who have a crushed spirit. So all of a sudden, Saul looks down and he sees all this going on. And all of a sudden, in the coldest, darkest heart there was at the time, there was nobody colder, nobody darker, nobody meaner than this guy named Saul. But he's watching somebody pray. He's watching somebody stay faithful. And all of a sudden, this little flicker, this little flicker, started burning in his heart and it turns into a flame. He ends up writing more than half of the New Testament. Can I just say that the people in your life that are cold, that are dark, that antagonize you, that provoke you, don't get caught up in preaching. They're too hard-headed to listen. Are you with me? Say yes. They're too hard-headed to listen. They know everything, so you can't teach them anything. Am I the only one that know people like this? Am I the only one who has teenagers? I have teenagers. I can't teach them anything. They know it all. Sorry, they're on the front row right now. They know it all. They know it all. Stephen didn't preach to Paul. He lived with his dying breath giving God the glory. And that caused a spark in his heart. And all of a sudden, Ezekiel 36, 26 came into full effect. Where God said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will take out that heart of stone. I will take out that heart of that, that, that strong, forceful, aggressive spirit and give you a new one. Can I just say, you may feel like you are not doing anything, but when you pray, there's nothing more powerful in the world than a prayer out of a saint's mouth. Come on, do you receive that today? There's nothing. There's nothing. When you and I are on those seasons of feeling like we are on the sidelines, the moment a prayer comes out of our mouth, everything begins to change. Paul said something. He, he saw Stephen. He was changed by what he saw from Stephen. St. Augustine said this. He said, if Stephen had never prayed, Paul would have never preached. He was completely changed. But at the end of his life, he wrote these words. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. At the end of his life, 
He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, I've been in a few fights in high school. Didn't win any of them. I wasn't a good fighter. I was one of these guys, right? (laughs) You know, in today's world, you got people like these UFC people with bubbles in their ears and they kick banana trees. You know, you can't fight against those people. In my day, it was like, in their day, they turn you into pretzels. But in that season, I remember fights don't last very long, but they exhaust you. I've ran a few marathons. By the time I come through the finish line, I am exhausted. What was Paul saying? I have fought the good fight. See, the good fight is usually a long fight and it's a private fight. Is there anyone fighting the good fight right now? It's a long fight. It's a private fight. Nobody knows about the fight. He goes, I have fought the good fight and I'm tired. I have ran the race. And I'm tired. But in spite of being tired, I saw Stephen hang on to the faith with rocks in his mouth. And so so will I. It doesn't matter what I face. It does not matter what I face. I will keep the faith. I will not slow down. And he said the exact words. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. He says, oh, these these momentary troubles, they are storing up for me and they're storing up for you an eternal reward that far outweighs them all. The troubles that you experience cause your reward to be great. That's what he's saying. He goes, these momentary troubles are storing up for me. If you do not have any troubles, do not expect a reward. It's the momentary troubles that store up for you a reward. How many of you know you got a lot of rewards waiting for you? (laughs) Telling you, nothing goes past the attention of God. You know, my passion, my, my passion of my soul is to see you doing exactly what the church in the book of Acts did. It was the Stevens on the sidelines that went, hold on, I think I'm born for more than this. I, I think I'm born, I think, watch this. I think the words in the Bible might be true. That's a huge step. Because some people cherry pick the Bible. Yeah, this is true. This isn't true. That's true. This isn't true. That's true. But you cross over. I think that all of them are true. And what that means is it says this. Anyone, John 14, 12... Anyone. Is there anyone in the room? Raise your hand if you're an anyone. Raise your hand. Are you an anyone? All right. Okay. You're an anyone. So this is all of you. This, this particular verse is for all of you. If anyone believes in me, they shall do the same work 
I have done. It's my heart. It's my passion. Not to get you to keep coming back to church, coming back to church, coming back to church. Although that would be nice because I love worshiping with you. But it's my heart. It's my passion that you believe that. And then you take it the next step and say, all right, God, I'm going to cry out in private. I'm going to take risks in public. And I'm going to expect that verse to come to pass. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to cry out in private all the more and take more risks in public. And these are the saints that are part of the remnant of God. Everyone else will fall away and find better things to do. But the remnant, Romans chapter 11, verse 5, and God has put together a remnant at this time called by grace. And when the Spirit of the Lord starts moving through you individually, that's when our church and the church as a whole starts operating the way we were designed to operate. Does anybody receive that? Come on, put your hands together. I, I want to I share a, a testimony. It's only about a minute and a half. For those of you that are new here, let me just say... Um, about two and a half years ago, something clicked, something happened. I, I take, it take me about 30 minutes to explain it. But from that moment forward, we see healings and miracles all the time. Sometimes I, I get to be the lucky person that God chooses. But most of the time it's coming from prayer partners. Just to remind me and remind you that his power and his virtue and his glory doesn't just flow through a pastor. It flows through anyone. Why don't you take a look at this? So um, I've, my elbow has been hurting for off and on for the past two months. Um, but it, it really flared up recently uh, really bad where I had to get like bandages and stuff to, to make the pain go away. Uh, on Sunday, Pastor Frankie uh, said he, he, he said somebody, he feels like somebody has pain in their elbow to their neck and, uh, in that area, or anywhere in that area is what he said. So, um, I reluctantly was like, that's me. So I went up front. Um, Pastor Frankie, he then, he, he prayed for my elbow. It got better, but the pain wasn't all the way gone. Um, and so he, he asked and I was like, it's better. It got real warm. Uh, and then, um, he, um, he prayed for it again and the pain was just gone. So much so that I was able to go and do work at my business uh, that I hadn't been able to do in, in weeks. Um, so I was, you know, swinging hammers and, and pulling stuff around that I hadn't been able to do. So all stand to our feet for me, please. You know, without the presence of the Lord, we may as well not even come to church. Let's just stay home and watch golf or mow the grass or something. But if the presence of the Lord is going to be here, there's nowhere else we want to be. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, let me hear you. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Would you just put your hands out? I'd like all of our prayer partners to come down if they would. Just put your hands out like this. Some of you, you're like, why do I got to raise my hands? Well, there's only one reason to raise your hands. Only one. Because the Lord wants you to. If there was any other reason, I would say, don't even bother. 
but he was, he was purposeful with what words were in the scriptures. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In every place of worship, people should raise hands up to God. If God said, stand on your head and spit jelly beans, I'd say, give me a bowl of jelly beans. So just raise your hands. Let's just say, Jesus, I love you. You can say it out loud. You can whisper it. It doesn't matter, but he deserves it. Say, Jesus, I love you. The guy on the video that was sharing his testimony, he was referencing a, a word of knowledge that that I was blessed to have in that moment. A, a word of knowledge is when God makes clear what he wants to do in that moment. What he wants to do in that moment. And, and sometimes... I think I'm hearing a word of knowledge and I take a risk and nobody raises their hand and then I get to look at everybody and say, sorry, I thought God was talking to me and he wasn't. That was just me. Raise your hand if you've ever seen me say that and nobody raised their hand and I had to say, sorry, God was not talking. Come on, wave it around like this. I want all the visitors to see that, but put your hands down. It's discouraging me. Raise your hand if, if uh, I've said a word of knowledge and it was right and somebody got healed. Go ahead. But why am I telling you to do this? Because I want you to know, as the pastor of the church, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. But if I, if I stop leaning into his presence just because I was wrong a few times, then I'm going to miss out on a whole bunch of awesome. I want you to hear me say that. I want you to lean in to the things of God. And if it doesn't pan out the way you thought or the way you felt or the way, just keep on leaning in. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on a whole bunch of awesome. Are there any prayer partners? I like to do this from time to time to show you that it's not just the pastor. But are there any prayer partners? And and don't come up if you're not, if you just feel like being up here. But come up here if you feel like God's kind of tugging your heart with a a word of knowledge. Come on up. Come on up. And if there's another one, feel free to come on up. And if he's he's right, we'll know right away. Because I want you to give something specific. Don't say like, you know, emotional healing or back. Because that's everybody in this room. All right. (laughs) Rheumatoid arthritis. Rumeth, uh, say that again because I, I can't. I can't say that word. Rheumatory. Thank you. Rheumatory arthritis and migraines might be two different people. Might be the same person. But if it is you, even if you're a visitor here, I know it's super scary. Just, just raise your hand and come out of your seat. Nothing embarrassing is going to happen. All we're going to do is just pray for you. That's all we're going to do is just pray for you. Because if someone does raise their hand, it's, it's kind of like the Lord saying, hey, I'm going to heal you right now. Is it you? Praise God. 
why don't you go over there? I want, I want John to pray for you because the Lord spoke to John. Is there someone else? I see someone else coming down. Is there another prayer partner? You might have a word of knowledge. You know, I, I'm going to lean into this one and, and maybe it's the Lord, maybe it's not. Is it arthritis or headaches? Right over here. Is there someone in your lower spine down here? Like you have a, a leak. Uh, what's it called, Allie? A leak. Uh, a, a spinal fluid leak in the lower... In the, in the, or you have a hole, a leak or a hole, or something in your lower spine. In your lower spine. Is that anyone here? And I was talking to somebody, but is, is it you? Is it you? What's your name? Okay. It's your lower spine right here. Is it a leak or a hole? You don't know. Have you seen the doctors about it? Yes. Is it you as well? You have a hole? Okay. Is there anyone else that has a leak or a hole in the bottom part of your spine? Anyone else? I know she does, but is there anyone else? I feel like there's one more person here. Don't come down if you're guessing. The doctor told you you do. The doctor told you you did, right? Is there anyone else? I feel like there's one more, but if you're a visitor here, sometimes you can be like, I'm not going down there. I'm new here. This is weird. I understand. All I'm going to do is pray for you. All I'm going to do is pray for you. That's it. And I'm not going to pray for you with my microphone on. I'm going to take my microphone off and I'm going to pray for you. I don't want you to be so scared that you won't come down because today's your day. God just called your name. He just called your name. Let me hold your hand. You might be the only one, but I feel like there's another one. I could be wrong. If you're watching online and you're like, I'm the other one. Well, then awesome. Just put your hands up and receive your healing. But I feel like there was one more, but that's okay. I'm going to pray for your discs. Here's the thing. Just because the Lord didn't whisper what you're fighting into my mind it doesn't mean that today's not your day if you're here and he's here that's all that matters I want you to come out of your seat if you need God to do something in your life a physical healing an emotional healing you need a financial breakthrough because you have no idea how you're going to pay the bills a son a teenage son you need prayer for him, I want you to come down. Your marriage, come down. Don't hesitate. Just come down and take the hand of a prayer partner. The service is over. I don't have anything else to say. But let's sing this song one time through before anybody leaves. Is that all right? If you feel comfortable with it, just raise your hands up to the Lord. 
And let's worship his precious name right now, shall we?